this is a faithful saying, deserving full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15. I'm Jason Garcia, and this is Faithful Sayings. Well, good morning and thanks for tuning in. It's a pleasure to be with you again today and to be studying God's Word with you. I want to invite you to visit our website if you haven't had a chance to do that already at leonvalleychurch.org where there's a number of different resources and studies there that you can avail yourself of if you desire. And also our email address can be found there. Let me give it to you now. It's leonvalleychurch at gmail.com. That's useful if you want to contact us or you have any questions or suggestions, uh, comments that uh, you have about this study, or uh, maybe a topic that you would like to hear discussed on this radio program, or or uh, even have a correspondence study through email, perhaps. Anyway, uh, we'll be happy to do that with you and, and for you. Uh, but that's our contact information, leonvalleychurch at gmail.com. And again, our website is leonvalleychurch at gmail.org. We're going to be thinking about the prophet Jeremiah this morning and some adversity that he faced in his life. You know, I think it's fair to say uh, and true to say, uh, because the Bible tells us that we all have burdens in this life. We all have adversity that we're going to face. And sometimes it may be difficult for other people to understand and relate to what it is that we are uh, that we are trying to overcome or that we're facing in our life. Proverbs 14 and verse 10 says, The heart knows its own bitterness, and a stranger does not share its joy. And this is from Paul in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 11, uh, where he asked the question, For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. So Paul's making a point about uh, the revealed mind of God in that context. And he's saying that no one knows what's on God's mind except the spirit of God. And it's the Spirit of God that reveals His will. But uh, the point that I want to make from that text that Paul is saying, as in Proverbs 14 and verse 10, that the heart knows its own bitterness. Uh, the, the Spirit of man knows what's going on inside the mind of man and what what he is dealing with. And so these, these things that we uh, wrestle with as individuals and that may cause us worry and anxiety even to the point of of losing sleep, some of these things are unique to us, and you know, and but there is no temptation except that which is common to man. Uh, and there is no trial uh, also that except that which is common to man. So it just we we think that we may be isolated in these in these cases, uh, and to some degree we we can be to the extent that we isolate ourselves. But uh, we're going to think about those burdens that we bear in this life and, and Jeremiah specifically as an example and how we can overcome uh, a- adversity of all, of all kinds, you know, things that just seem insurmountable. You know, if we manage to put them out of our minds and stop thinking about them, it's like we're easily, you know, everything reminds us of them, you know, you know, sickness, financial problems, a difficult spouse or a difficult child or coworker or boss, um, you know, feelings of inadequacy, weaknesses that we are that that we have that we've been trying to overcome for for years and feel like we've been unsuccessful and i want to begin by looking at men of faith uh and and again we're going to talk about jeremiah and spend most of our time thinking about him 
and some words that were written through him and for him that are beneficial to us uh, as well. So, uh, but men of men of strong faith and who who cast long shadows in the scripture that we would see as examples and who overcame tremendous obstacles. Uh, they, you know, they all had burdens and they all had uh, feelings of of inadequacy at sometimes. You know, Elijah is one of the greatest prophets, not only in the, in the Jewish mind and, and biblically, as we can see, he's referred to often. Uh, you know, John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah, and it was Elijah with Moses on the Mount of Transfiguration there uh, when when Christ was transfigured. And so, uh, but Elijah, this colossal Old Testament figure. It says in 1 Kings 19 and verse 3 that that he wanted to die. He was so depressed in his life that he just wanted wanted to die. Uh, he, you know, you'd have to go back and look at the history there, and especially at kind of this climactic moment in 1 Kings 19 when things seem to have taken a turn for uh, the better and 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 evil that is being. Uh, propagated in the land by this evil king and his evil wife. It seems like there's finally going to be a turnaround. And what happens to Elijah? But he just gets more death threats from those in power. Just when he thinks, uh, you know, they're going to turn over a new leaf, we get this crushing, seemingly crushing defeat. And of course, the Lord will open his eyes to what the reality was later in that chapter and actually gives him more work to do. But nevertheless, we have this example of Elijah, at least who felt like. Uh, he was powerless, who felt like he had lost, and who was so depressed that he wanted simply just just to die, to to no longer exist. Uh, Paul is another man who struggled with, in, in this case, a mysterious ailment all his life. So Elijah, you know, his his adversity was uh, wicked people and trying to trying to overcome that and deal with that God's way. And Paul. Uh, had to battle illness, and we don't we aren't told specifically what that is, um, but he struggled with it all of his life, and he even prayed that it would be removed. In Second Corinthians twelve, verses six through nine, he he describes it there uh, as a thorn in the flesh that he had, and he says that I implored the Lord in verse eight three times that it might leave me, and he said, My grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. So, again, no details are given as to what this ailment was or this thorn in the flesh. But Paul prays for its removal, and God says, "My grace is sufficient." But nevertheless, this was a burden for Paul. It was it created adversity in his life, and he was no stranger to that already, having been beaten and stoned and left for dead and shipwrecked and put before courts and and put on trial uh, before various governors and things like this. So. Uh, on top of all that, he has this uh, thorn in the flesh, this physical ailment in his body, and yet he found a way to to overcome. And the verse there, uh, the end of, of, of verse 9, gives us at least some foreshadowing of where our study is going and and the promises that Paul rested upon. So, uh, But let's think about another example before we get to Jeremiah. Peter, Peter is another example who's whose name means the rock. And that's why Jesus called him called him Cephas or called him Peter. And we remember, you know, those famous words in Matthew 16, Peter's good confession and calling Jesus the Son of God, identifying him as such, and Jesus saying, Upon this rock I will build my church. So Peter living up to his name in, in that regard and making the, the solid confession 
upon which Jesus will build his church. But Peter, when the time came in Matthew 26 and, and the other gospel accounts we see who you know, who seemed to be so stalwart and he was so sure of himself that he was ready to go to prison and to death with Jesus. We find him in Matthew 26 and verse 75, weeping bitterly because he had denied the Lord and had even done so while Jesus was within earshot and able to look in his direction, as we see in Luke chapter 23. But Peter still found a way to overcome. So in these in these examples, you know, we've seen Elijah facing evil men, Paul uh, facing uh, infirmities in his own body and and trying to fight just fight off what was natural in a sense and and illness comes to us all and Peter uh, here struggling with sin and and being defeated really by sin at least uh, in this part of the gospel in Matthew chapter 26 so you know given all those examples and and again these were I mean we're talking about apostles and we're talking about prophets and we're talking about you know just tremendous figures from the Bible. And there may be times when we are tempted to throw in the towel and give up fighting any of the things that those men faced uh, and that people face that we that we face throughout our lives. Uh, but but there is there is a way out and there is encouragement from the scriptures and we want to think about the Bible's answer to overcoming adversity. Uh, so uh, let's go to Jeremiah chapter 11 now. And let's think specifically specifically about uh, the prophet Jeremiah. So Jeremiah, another man who had tremendous adversity in his life, really all the prophets did uh, to some degree. Uh, but Jeremiah and Isaiah, of course, living near the end of the time of, of the two kingdoms, Judah and Israel, and giving them the message of destruction and that would ultimately come uh, you know, when the Babylonians would take them away and the Syrians would take them away. Uh, but Jeremiah, in chapter 11 of his book, Jeremiah 11, uh, we'll begin by reading verses 9 through 11. So the northern kingdom of Israel had become so corrupt that God wiped them out already by sending an Assyrian army. And then now 200 years later, the southern kingdom of Judah, the same people are going down the same path and sin is rampant and there are only a few people who cared to listen to the voice of God through this prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah 11, uh, verse 6, beginning, The Lord said to me, Proclaim all these words in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, saying, Hear the words of this covenant and do them. For I solemnly warned your fathers in the day that I brought them up from the land of Egypt, even to this day, warning persistently, saying, Listen to my voice. Yet they did not obey or incline their ear but walked each one in the stubbornness of his evil heart. Therefore I brought on them all the words of this covenant, which I commanded them to do, but they did not. And so here God assessing the situation and saying that, uh, as we saw there, the New American Standard says they continued in their stubbornness, uh, the stubbornness of their evil heart, and did what they wanted to do. And Jeremiah is the man that God is calling on now to go to these people and tell them this this truth, this message of rebuke and tragedy and destruction ultimately that's going to come and how God would punish Judah for their sins. And we keep reading now in verse 9, it says that the Lord said to me, a conspiracy has been found among the men of Judah and among the inhabitants of Jerusalem. They have turned back to the iniquities of their ancestors who refused to hear my words. 
And they have gone after other gods to serve them. The house of Israel and the house of Judah have broken my covenant which I made with their fathers. Therefore thus says the Lord, Behold, I am bringing disaster on them which they will not be able to escape. And though they will cry to me, yet I will not listen to them. And so here then God is telling Jeremiah directly, here's what they've done and here's what you need to tell them. And you need to tell them that disaster is coming because of their disobedience, because of their sin. And Jeremiah was going to be hated for this. So this would be his adversity. Similar to Elijah, Jeremiah was going to be hated because of who he was, because he brought the message of God. I think of the words of Proverbs 29 and verse 27 here. Uh, An unjust man is abominable to the righteous, and he who is upright in the way is abominable to the wicked. And so it shouldn't come as any surprise to us that Jeremiah is going to be hated. This is the way it's always always has been and the way it's always going to be, that the righteous are abominable to the wicked and the wicked are abominable to the, to the righteous. So when Jeremiah comes with this rebuke and this message from God, who of course is righteous uh, to, these, to these wicked people, they're going to hate him for it. And they're going to start throwing out the death threats. If you look in Jeremiah again 11 and drop down further in the chapter from where we were reading a moment ago, uh, still Jeremiah 11, uh, but look down in verse 18, Jeremiah 11 and verse 18. Moreover, the Lord made it known to me, and I knew it. And then you showed me their deeds, but I was like a gentle lamb led to the slaughter. I did not know what they had that they had devised plots against me, saying, Let us destroy the tree with its fruit, and let us cut him off from the land of the living, that his name be remembered no more. Uh, and so God is telling Jeremiah, this is what's coming. There's going to be threats and attempts on your life and a, ho- a host of other things that would be painful to endure. You know, he would endure the scoffing uh, while while wicked people among him uh, lived lives of ease. If you look at the, the next chapter now, chapter 12 of Jeremiah, beginning in verse 1, Righteous are you, O Lord, that I would plead my case with you. Indeed, I would discuss matters of justice with you. Why was the way of the wicked? Uh, has the way of the wicked prospered? Why are all those who deal in treachery at ease? You have planted them. They have also taken root. They grow. They have even produced fruit. You are near to their lips, but far from their mind. But you know me, O Lord. You see me, and you examine my heart's attitude toward you. Drag them off like sheep for the slaughter, and set them apart for a day of carnage. So Jeremiah's calling out for justice. And as he says in this prayer, I want to discuss matters of justice with you. And the wicked are prospering. So not only uh, does he have to give him this this message and endure their threats and their whatever attempts that they would make on him and his life, but they're scoffing. And also they're, they seem to be getting away with this, at least for now. They're living lives of, of ease. But what is surprising is God's response to to Jeremiah's prayer and his his complaint, if you will, and his observations. And he begins by saying in verse 5 of chapter 12, If you have run with footmen and they have tired you out, then how can you compete with how can you compete with horses if you fall down in a land of peace? How will you do in the thicket of the Jordan? And so the idea is if 
if this is if this is the case now and bad things haven't even begun to happen to you yet they're just making making threats how are you going to endure when they start to follow through how are you going to keep preaching my word uh, when when things get really bad so in other words Jeremiah would soon need to face more obstacles and more dangers and he would need to run faster so to speak even though he has just striven with footmen and, and been tired out and already complaining so the question is really how, how are you going to cope when things are really bad how is that for a response and I think it hints at you know second Corinthians 12 that we read earlier in the example of Paul when when Paul wants wants this element removed he just he doesn't want to deal with it any anymore and similar in a similar way that Jeremiah just says why are these wicked people still here why are we still dealing with them you're God of justice uh, handle it which God would eventually um, but the answer to Paul was my grace is sufficient and my power is perfected in weakness and I think what we see here in Jeremiah's case is that he had all the tools that he needed already uh, but it was his attitude that needed needed adjusting. It was his perspective that needed adjusting. If he was a person who was going to be discouraged so quickly and so easily, he was not going to deal with the thickets that were coming soon to come in his in his life down the road. And you know, we think about our our own circumstances in in this country and how well off most of us are and how affluent we we are and there are so many things that we complain about that really we don't we don't have a right to um but looking at jeremiah think yeah if someone's making threats and and you're thinking about the things that elijah names and paul and peter endured uh certainly that was adversity that they needed to work to but god god kind of tells us to to, to stiffen our backs and stiffen our, our resolve through these words to Jeremiah and, and tells us not to be so easily discouraged. But you think about what Jeremiah was enduring from God's perspective, from a human perspective, rather, that we, we would think, yeah, he's he's got a right to be upset. But from God's perspective, he expected more out of Jeremiah. And I want to look at some New Testament passages now, I think, that will help us uh, align with that perspective and, and kind of uh, understand better uh, what God would have our attitude to be in, a, in adversity. And for one thing, uh, we need to realize, and I think Jeremiah knew this, and you know that principle that we see in Proverbs uh, 19 and verse 27, that, uh, that this should be expected. Anytime that good... Uh, good people, and when uh, God's people try to uh, do His will in the world, that there's going to be adversity, and we should expect that. In fact, it's been promised. John chapter 16 and verse 33, for example. John 16 and verse 33, Jesus says this, These things I have spoken to you, said in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take courage, I have overcome the world. And so there is this promise here. In the world, you will have tribulation. You're going to have trouble, in other words. But your peace can be found, Jesus says in this promise, and knowing this, that I have overcome the world. 
Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 12 that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And we wind the clock all the way back to Jeremiah's time, and we see that even as he was trying to live live godly before the time of Christ, when he was trying to serve serve God and do the right thing and give people the truth and God's message, that he suffered persecution. But God expects his people to bear up under that. Jesus expects us to bear up under that those burdens and overcome that adversity. And he provides the key. And the key is his promises, his his word, just as God assured Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, saying, My grace is sufficient. It will always be sufficient for you. I know that you're dealing with this thorn in the flesh, but Paul can still overcome. And, and God is saying, My power is perfected in, in weakness. In other words, depend on me, and this is how you're going to, to overcome this. This is how you're going to make it through. You rest on my promises, and you trust that my grace is sufficient. So we can let the trials of life discourage us, or we can use them. We can use them to our advantage. So what do I mean by that? How could there possibly be value in adversity and in the things that that we face? Look in James chapter 1. James chapter 1, this is likely a, a familiar passage to us, but James really concisely puts what our perspective should be. James 1 and verse 2, he says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And so God allows these things to happen, according to James, in order to develop us, to develop our character, to develop our faith and our spirit. If we respond to trials the right way, it produces, James says, endurance. This is a testing, verse 3, this is a testing of your faith. This is what it was for Paul and just as it was for Jeremiah uh, and, and, and Peter. They had to put their faith and continue to put their faith in, in God despite the circumstances of what was going on around them. Elijah too. Uh, and, and those men, like Elijah and Jeremiah, received direct revelation and a direct answer from God telling them what their perspective should have been. In Elijah's case, he gets a similar response as Jeremiah. God says, you're not alone. And and in fact, here's more work for you to do. Don't try and, uh, and kill yourself. You may be so depressed that you want to die, but I have more work for you to do. And in Jeremiah's case, again, the language is similar. You're tired now. It's about to get really bad. And I have work for you to do. After Paul wrote 2 Corinthians 12, he had a lot more work to do. And knowing that he was going to have to keep this thorn in the flesh, he was going to have to trust in God's grace. That it would be sufficient. That God was going to take care of him. And James is telling us the same thing. That this is going to be work. This is going to be tough. And, and whatever difficulty comes our way, it can be of value to us if we respond to it in the right way, in faith, and continued obedience, and staying the course, and not being so discouraged and so overcome that we just throw our hands up and throw in the towel. You know, we have several pictures in, in Scripture uh, that borrow from 
uh, the military or athletics, and we think about uh, you know specifically that illustration of, of an athlete. You know how an athlete does not become strong and 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 more capable of competition simply by strolling through the neighborhood once a week. Right? It takes work. It takes dedication. It takes. Uh, obstacles and, and in some sense uh, burdens and willingly taking on burdens so that we can develop as James is talking about in James chapter 1 verses 2 and 4. And maybe some of the burdens in our life and some of the things that we feel pressing in on us seem so heavy not because they are heavy but because we are so weak and we have not developed to the point to a point where we should be in order to face those things. Hebrews 5 and verse 12, the writer says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. And so we see that we can regress as people. So it's not that we just come to a standstill and we've been idle and passive, and so now we aren't prepared to, to equip with what to we aren't equipped to handle what life is throwing at us, but perhaps we've we haven't just stagnated, but we've actually regressed as the Hebrew writer is talking about there in Hebrews five and verse twelve. Paul says to Timothy that bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. There will always be internal and external forces that attempt to hinder our service to God that either our health will be affected or like Jeremiah, we face just evil influences in the workplace or in the world or in our culture to be sure. Uh, Maybe weakness in our own life and sin that we are continually being defeated by, but are we but are we going to take advantage of the assets that God has has given us in, in his word and through prayer so that we can overcome all of those things. You know, and thinking about persecution, there's countries in the world today where it is illegal for Christians to gather to worship. And if we found ourselves in one of those countries, or heaven forbid our country ever reached that point, would that stop us from from worshiping God, from doing the right thing? There's a whole lot of people who have that bravado that would say, no, nothing's going to stop me. And they would assert their loyalty just like Peter did. And yet Peter found out when the time came that he was unprepared for the trials ahead. We may be enjoying a time of peace right now and, and complaining, but what if what if some devastating something devastating happens down the road where we lose a spouse or we get a serious ailment like Paul had, is that going to be enough to stop us? Is that what's going to cause us to throw in the throw in the towel? It might be if we aren't prepared to handle it and we lose our perspective. That such things, for first of all, have been promised, but also that God has given us what we need to to overcome them. If we lose our perspective, we forget that we have the tools from God's hand to to overcome adversity, then we're going to buckle under that pressure. And we will succumb to the burdens of this, this life. 
When we look into the Word of God, we see that He expects His people to be determined. I think that's what He was calling Jeremiah to be. He was calling him to be more determined, just as He was with, with Elijah. We look in 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter 1 in verse 6, beginning. Peter says, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him... Th- Even though you have not seen him, you love him, and though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. So Peter there is echoing James's words in James chapter 1 that there are various trials and they are distressing, but this is to prove our faith. And these trials can even refine our faith just as fire refines gold and proves, proves gold. To borrow Peter's illustration. And so this is preparation work, Peter says. This is preparing us to be in glory, to be revealed in glory. And that there is nothing too difficult that we face that's that's too difficult to overcome. First Corinthians ten and verse thirteen. God will always be on our side. Hebrews thirteen and verse Verses 5 and 6. There the promise is, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so that we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? Do we have faith in that promise? Paul did. So did Jeremiah. And so did Elijah. And all the great men of faith. That was how they were able to overcome. Not by their own moxie, or strength, they needed to have resolve, and they needed to be determined, but they needed to be resolved and determined to rely upon God and trust in His promises, that His grace would be sufficient. And they knew that eternal glory awaited them if they remained steadfast until the end. Anything can wear us down if we let it. Anything. But if we wish to contend with horses... As Jeremiah 12 and verse 5 says, if we wish to face the thickets of life, then we must have the Lord on our side and we must resolve to be on His side. I enjoyed studying with you this morning and hope that you will join me again next week. I pray that we will all discern and do the will of God and, and continually look into His Word to see what His will is. Please visit our website at leonvalleychurch.org. Or email us if you have a question or comment at leonvalleychurch at gmail.com. I'm Jason Garcia, and this has been Faithful Sayings.